All right. Hello. Welcome to Drinks First Cocktail Hour. Today we have a very fun guest, uh, but I believe you're a designer at MTV. Uh, you're an artist. You have your own podcast. Uh, and just the, uh, the work that I've seen you do is really incredible. So I'm very excited to have Rich too on my podcast today. Uh, Rich, do you mind giving us a little background about, you know, how old you are, you know, where in the city you live now, uh, where you grew up, where you went to school, sure. just background. For sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Ariana, thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I'm a creative executive over at MTV, over at Viacom CBS, and I'm a digital creator, I guess, as I've been calling myself as of late, but really, you know, uh, an artist, uh, creative director, overall creative thinker. I've been in the creative uh, field for almost like 15 plus years now. And uh, yeah, I've been, I've been in it for a minute. I've been over at MTV for about four years. Previously, I was over at Nike for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, I've also done a ton of freelance, like outside work, shown in a bunch of galleries and done wild stuff, but happy to talk about any and all of it and uh, all the weird in-betweens too. Yeah. So at what point did you move to New York or are you from New York originally? I was originally, well, I was born in New Jersey. So my parents are um, Filipino immigrants. They came here in the 60s. Um, they met here in the States and had myself, my sister, and also have two uh, siblings. Um, and uh, so the four of us were kind of a blended family. Um, I'm the baby, the baby of the bunch, born in New Jersey, uh, kind of born and raised. And uh, I moved to New York around uh, around grad school time, actually. So grad school for me, I went to School of Visual Arts. So I wanted to get a degree in uh, illustration. This is in the mid-aughts to kind of show how ways back goes. So like around 2005, 2006, I, I had the th- a feeling that I wanted to really take my my career and my, my creativity on a professional level to the next level. And then I uh, applied to the SVA over in Chelsea formally. Then I was fortunate enough to get into their uh, graduate program for illustration. Spent two years there, uh, moved to the city, and it kind of, you know, never looked back really uh, in terms of uh, where what I knew I could go creatively and also just kind of like uh, like living and breathing uh, within, you know, w- within the concrete jungle, right? Um, so now I live in Brooklyn. I've been in Brooklyn for about 10-ish years, maybe. And uh, I did a couple of years over in Portland, Oregon. Uh, but, you know, Nike. For, for the most part. Oh, you know, Nike, exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, just hanging out here in Brooklyn. And I love it. Where where in Brooklyn? Like, what neighborhood are you at? Oh, Bushwick area. Nice. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I moved here to this neighborhood, uh, let's say, yeah, 10 years ago, and then went to Oregon. And then when we came back from Oregon, went right back to the exact same neighborhood, moved back right to the same apartment. I hit up my old landlord. I was like, hey, yeah. I was like, hey, um, I was like, hey, uh, uh, Mabel, um, thinking about moving back to Bushwick. Is there an apartment open? And she was like, yeah, we have an apartment open. So just moved right back. And then just like, picked up right where we left off um but since moved to a, a different building but same neighborhood it's just i like the vibes here you're you're a bushwick guy oh yeah totally totally <laughs> can, can you see it <laughs> so one question i ask all of my guests um is where do you like to go out where do you like to eat what are sort of your spots in new york 
That's a good question. Ooh, let's see. Well, I mean, the pandemic's kind of switched that up a little bit, right? But uh, before, I guess before the pandemic, when we were really out and about, you know, I love local spots. So shout out to Rise Radio on Graham Avenue. Um, love uh, Alfred, love Vanina, the owners. You know, that's a great spot if anyone likes coffee and also good vibes. And let's see, Sweet Science over on Graham Avenue. Also uh, love that place. Been going there for years. Um, into Manhattan, like I'm really big uh, Lower East Side guy, honestly. So I like the energy around there, and also like the 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 comings and goings, and also the the general nightlife. Um, this is gonna sound super bougie, but or maybe it doesn't. I don't know what is or isn't anymore. But I, I've really uh, taken to Soho House uh, and like that whole vibe, but only because in this pre-pandemic, it just it guaranteed a place to. Well, one, just have a nice drink and, you know, not have to wait in line uh, and also being around like like minded individuals. Um, and, you know, when you're traveling like in Miami or L.A. or London or whatever, there was always um, a location where you were treated, uh, you know, consistently, um, you know, w- with, you know, good people. So that, that's why I, I like it for the travel and also just the, the hospitality of it. Yeah. And also, you know, they could throw good parties when they're throwing parties. Okay, beyond that, and Lower East Side, you got your Bushwick spots. We should tell our listeners that you are engaged. And yes. I know for everybody that, not everybody, but most people, that's the end game here. And I know I talk to a lot of people who are single about their dating lives, but I would love to know about the story of your current fiance and how that happened, how you met. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, this is a great question. Also, she was on my podcast too. Her name was Alexandra Beaner. She was uh, on my episode of my podcast, Too Early for Plugs, but uh, First Generation Burden, where we talk to um, creatives um, who are identified as immigrants in the creative community. And she was on one of the episodes. We kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, but we, we met at an agency, a, a Broadway-specific agency uh, called AKA NYC. Um, shout out to them because they're dope. Um, and I spent a couple of years there as the as the team's art director. We met there. I was the AD and she was a digital producer. And uh, yeah, we were just circling each other around the agency. It's funny. I don't, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the microphone before. And uh, we're just circling each other. And uh, we ended up hanging out after work on a Friday night well, one day. And then from that, from then on, just spent every weekend together. Um, so that was awesome. And Where um, did you guys go after where work? We, oh, where did we go? Kind of went everywhere. It was like, it was, you know, this is a few years ago now. So a lot of just weekend spots, either bar hopping, club hopping, um, or, you know, any any place that was like, uh, a place where we could drink, dance, hang out, and be with friends. Those are like the p- main prerequisites. I remember on Saturdays, we used to have like a, a run where it would be, you go to Sons of Essex on Saturday afternoons for a hip hop brunch um, thrown by my boys, uh, Apollo, uh, Rich Rama, and Kyle. And, so, and they, they, yeah, they put on this hip hop brunch. And then we would go to a midday party called the Halfway, I think it was called. Then we'd go get tacos <laughs> at uh, Taqueria. And then after that, we would go to Barcade and play some video games. Then we might go to Fat Buddha over on the, by the East Village to listen to some more music. And then when that closed, 
we will go to 24 7 down in les and then from there that'd be like three or four in the morning then we go back to brooklyn and then just crash that's like that's the champions tour <laughs> yeah that's exactly i love that <laughs> so, and we, we still do that ish sometimes but not, but back then it was like yeah, every like friday saturday it was like go 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 mm-hmm. but now it's now so ooh, man my my bones <laughs> who knows maybe it'll come back a little bit post-covid you want you might want to relive the glory days <laughs> for sure exactly um yeah so uh, yeah take an emergency and just like head out um so you know, so we were we were doing that for a while, and then we went on vacation after a year of knowing each other. Went on vacation to San Francisco because she's from San Francisco, from the West Coast, and uh, we got engaged out there. It was a bit impromptu, and it was not at the De Young Museum, but there's another. Um, I, I don't know what the location is like across from De Young, but there's like a butterfly preserve, and there's kind of like all, all the stuff to do. It's not a museum like De Young. Um, so we went there hanging out, went to the butterfly preserve. Like I'm about to have an asthma attack um, in like this really humid place, but like butterflies are like landing on you, you feel all special and stuff. So uh, we kind of left there thinking like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to do this for the rest of our lives? And then we called our parents, called each other's parents. And, um, and then it, after that, it was, you know, it was, it was a wrap. So wait, um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that sounds incredibly serendipitous. Like <laughs> all of it, because it was, you know, I met her at work and then we hung out and then we kept hanging out. And then what, a year after hanging out, you both decided that this was going to be a forever thing? Yeah, I think so. It was it was a mutual decision, but it also felt like a really natural decision. And, you know, for for context, too, I'm uh, I'm approaching 40. I'm like basically 40. I turned 40 this year. Uh, so at the time. I had friends who were all married. People were already getting married. There were just weddings all around. So it it felt like pretty natural for both of us, I think. You know? And it felt like we were just ready. So there was no formal proposal. It was just like, we're here and let's just do this. Formal in the way that... Uh, describe formal. There was no pre-planning. Like, we didn't walk in there thinking that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But then we left knowing what the next steps were. Neither of us are planners really <laughs> because like on our work lives, we're so like in work. Um, so to, to, to devote like that type of brain space to like a personal life feels almost unusual. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense, because we like to just turn it off or just purely decompress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's how it was for us. And then uh you know, we we sat through, saw a lot of friends get married, and and it was those are amazing experiences. And we were planning originally to to get married in 2017, but then the move to Oregon kind of um, delayed that. And then and then once we came back to New York, we we're like, oh, you know, we'll we'll just do it in in time, in its own time. Wait, so you've been engaged for how long? Oh, uh, ooh, since 20. 20- 14 2015 oh my god so i know there needs to be a new, a new word a new word that that's in between um husband wife or marriage and then in between engaged and life partner there has to be like a new word for that i yeah i mean so ma- majority of your dating dating life with your fiance your life partner whatever you want to whatever the new word is <laughs> right 
has been being engaged. For the most part, yeah. For sure. That's so interesting. We're basically married. <laughs> Do you think that takes pressure off of like dating? I don't think I don't know if it does. I I feel that hmm. I don't know. It definitely takes the pressure of dating in that we don't date anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're just dating each other forever. Uh, but um, I, if we, if we walked into it knowing that like, you know, this, this uh, type of life was possible, then I don't know if marriage would necessarily be the thing. Like, I think we, we're kind of like, oh, marriage is—is is it for the parents? Is it for the for the audience that's arriving, that's showing up? Is it for the for the taxes? I don't know. I don't want to diminish marriage at all because marriage is dope. But you know, it, it did come down to like, oh man, we're really busy people. So it's not like a priority of yours right now to get married. Um, I would say for myself that it's not. <laughs> top of mind <laughs> but uh for both of us yeah we're, we're very involved in career but that said we're very spontaneous people i wouldn't be surprised if we went out one day and then we decided to just fill out a shit ton of paperwork at the courthouse because that's that's also always a possibility yeah i mean just as quickly as you got engaged you can get married <laughs> exactly could just fly to vegas and we've done crazier shit yeah well so with your career, you said that going to Portland was like a, a pause that kind of stopped when you were going to get married. So did Allie come with you to Portland? Did, what does she do? Oh, she did. Yeah, she's in advertising as well. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she's a producer. Uh, she works. Uh, she, right now she's at rga mm -hmm. yeah i think she's at rga right now um working with a client i can't talk about <laughs> so Obviously. yeah she, exactly yeah so she's doing her thing and you know she's awesome so um she she did go to portland we were there for a little under two years combined but we were bi-coastal for a while mm -hmm. so she was at akqa and i was at nike mm -hmm. then i would actually fly back to new york like once a month or once every couple of weeks i was actually on a plane a lot and that's a long flight from portland to yeah i was gonna say how did you manage that long distance um a lot of calls and also just a lot of airplane rides and trying to you know be be good partners and good spouses um but you know with with being career-minded and also you know goal-oriented um we, we were we were willing to make it work so she joined uh, eventually in Portland. And then when we knew that we were going to head back or head back to New York, she moved back to New York like a couple months ahead of time in order to situate herself. And then I just joined her out here and then we were just like back to New York living. Mm -hmm. So clearly you both are very career minded and I'm guessing that being engaged already had like, it's not like you're dating somebody necessarily and that you're like, okay, are we going to date long distance? At this point, you've already committed to one another. Right. So in a way, I guess that does take the pressure off of kind of that long distance dating. Is it worth it? Cause you've already decided that it's <laughs> worth it and you're just like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But yeah. And like, well, we saw a lot of successful long distance relationships too. It's not like we were the only ones, um, especially when it goes to like a East West coast type of thing. And also in our industry, right. Within the creative industry mm -hmm. and also an agency industry or like a big company 
type of industry, it wasn't so uncommon. Um, and also Nike is a place that is willing to relocate you mm-hmm. so that they, they, we, it was a normal conversation within the organization. Like, Oh yeah. So my partner will join at a later date and we'll figure out these terms and blah, blah, blah. Just want to, you know, just land, land here, get a temporary apartment, do a thing. Like there was a while where we were in, I think five or six different apartments over the course of four years. It was like a lot. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I what? remember when I got my first the VP job at MTV for the first three months as a VP at MTV, I'll sleep on a inflatable bed. Like I didn't oh have my furniture. Clearly you're very, both of you are very career oriented. Um, but you have a podcast called first gen burden, right? And you have your Filipino parents. I'm also first generation American. My parents came from India in the eighties. So what was there sort of reaction to one you going into this creative field? Because I know like with Asian parents, obviously that stigma exists. And two, is your partner Asian? Oh yeah. She's uh, Korean okay. and I'm Filipino. So yeah, we, we share that um, like the Asian experience or the AAPI experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, in times like these, it's, it's, pretty unique too right Uh, considering the climate that we're in um but uh yeah she and also she's a first generation uh korean born um you know she was adopted by a lovely family and came to the united states at the at the young age of three so she's you know she's been doing her thing ever since Mm -hmm. so did you feel do you feel that when you were dating did you did you feel any pressure to be with somebody who was also asian no ooh ooh that's a good question. I think when I was younger because that's a lot of my that was a lot of my community that I, I dated a lot of Filipino girls when I was like in high school and college. Um and then I and then I I stopped dating <laughs> Asian girls for like a few years actually. Um just I think by virtue of like my my circle, you know. Um like the people that I would see at the gym or the people that I would see at work or you know whatever like like those type of um my community changed uh essentially so uh but then but then it all all came back to the motherland i guess <laughs> well <laughs> I, mean, I do feel that Korean feel and that Filipino pressure. are very different oh yeah, 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 it's actually not that often yeah. <laughs> that uh Filipinos and Koreans get together, so that's a good point um I didn't feel pressure to to be with it with an asian person um um early on or i guess in high school college i i i didn't feel it although i was but mm-hmm. it wasn't like a thing um but i guess when uh yeah when when i started like you know dating um of all the of a lot of people <laughs> then my parents were like oh not uh not asian huh i was like oh yeah I guess it's a thing to you, but to me, it's not a thing. Yeah. So maybe it was felt on the other side for my parents. Did Did you tell your parents about your dating life? Not really. I didn't feel the need to, but it, it always felt like I wanted to, I don't know, like be with someone at the holidays. <laughs> so on occasion, I would bring someone for like, you know, Thanksgiving or bring someone for Christmas. Uh, so there was that. Um, so they would just find out by virtue of that I would bring them home. You would just show up. <laughs> a couple of times I did. A couple of times I did. I'm seeing like a a repeat personality trait. Like you're a bit more spontaneous. 
I, like, yeah. I would be freaking the fuck out if I was like just gonna come home with somebody to my Indian parents. Like, <laughs> like hello. Not on my- oh, were they? Are they? I guess conservative about stuff like that, or are they just like, oh, hey, Ariana, are you? what's your what's your dating circle are they constantly probing you about it yes and no i mean they're not very conservative they really at this point like could not care less about who i end up with they just i think want me to end up with somebody they're like you're 24 and still single i'm like yes (laughs) they're like you have a dating podcast i am like yes (laughs) yes again yes again um they definitely hear more about my dating life by listening to my podcast than me telling them, but you know, Mm. that's good for my listens. So (laughs) no, totally. (laughs) But, uh, no, makes for good content. Yeah, exactly. No, they're not conservative when it comes to that. Um, my brother, he's dating somebody who's, and has been dating somebody who's Indian for the past six years. And it just happened that way. I think it was the same idea that like community and, you share a lot of personal experiences when you are like with people who have a similar background. Um, I for personally, I shy away from that. I don't know why. Maybe I just like, like to give my family a heart attack, but (laughs) I think there's a lot to learn from other cultures. So I don't, I, I don't like, I don't ever really date Indian people. Um, but I think when it comes to like Asian cultures, especially now, there's a lot of shared experience, whether you are like East Asian, South Asian, uh, whatever it may be. I can see more people gravitating towards wanting to date people who are sort of in their same culture or same realm. Yeah, no, I I think that makes sense. I think even if it's not overtly spoken about or it's like, oh, yeah, I have to I have to date someone that's like me in that way because um, I don't I don't think a lot of people like overtly always think that like that but um, as we draw more focus on um, you know celebrating each other's identities and and things like that um, I wouldn't be surprised if that is a bit more top of mind for some yeah and I've seen especially now like 2021 all of the like violence and derogatory like actions and statements and whatever it may be like anti-Asian rhetoric that is out more openly. I think there's a lot of gravitating towards community. So I wonder if that will play a role in when people start dating again, if, you know, dating somebody who might understand that experience more is of like higher priority. Yeah, no, I, I think that agrees. Oh no, I think I agree with that. Honestly, post COVID, everybody's just going to date everybody because people are tired of not having human contact. I think that's what it yeah. is. No, that's true. That's true. And but you know, it's funny because I'm out, I've been out of the game for years, so uh, my instincts are terrible now, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I don't know who does what with a what. I'm just like, man, these these kids and their skateboards. I have no idea. Um, no, but for real, like uh, whenever I do see. Uh, like interesting, uh, like, I don't know, like dating trends or like, you know, um, just people out in the world. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> that's what that's what that all felt like, I guess, living vicariously, seeing someone from 100 feet away, trying not to be a creep. Right. <laughs> well, you basically, if if I'm understanding your timeline correctly, you didn't have to deal with the whole dating app culture. 
No, I was actually just thinking that um, Tinder was like brand new. I remember I got a Tinder profile like in 2012, like when the app had just come out. And then I didn't use it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just it never, yeah, never needed to use it. Do you think now it would be harder to meet somebody at work just with like what has happened in the past decade of people, you know? Ooh, ooh, spicy talk. Ah, good question. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I come from, well, I, I am come approaching it as like a, a hard question because I'm a, I'm a leader in my organization. <laughs> so as a leader in an organization, it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't show up to work thinking that. So I would actually overtly be thinking, oh, the, I'm not even, I don't, yeah, I, my eyes are here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's kind of where, where my head is. I guess, I guess maybe like eight, nine years ago, let's say like 30 year old me, 25 year old rich too, where I was like, kind of like young in the game. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to meeting someone at work at all. It's, it's harder when you're, you know, in leadership positions though. Yeah. Not how was it appropriate? Like when you were doing it, how was it like, did it feel more appropriate? How did you do that for maybe somebody who's listening who might be interested <laughs> in somebody at work? Oh, how did it happen? Well, it all happened pretty organically. I can say that. I remember it was uh, at the office over at AKA on a Friday afternoon. We all had to leave the office the exact same time because like the servers had to be uh, flipped or that to be server maintenance. So all the computers had to shut down at the exact same time. So we all left the office and then me and Allie, we were, we were walking out and then we, we all went to a bar that was down the street. I think burger and company was like in times square. So we all just happened to be there. So it was like a perfectly organic experience where we could just be in each other's space, talk naturally, but also feel the safety of each other's like friend circles at work mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like a creepy thing, <laughs> you know? So it was like a perfect confluence of, of all this stuff. Um, and then after uh, I, I, I imagine though, that if those circumstances didn't quite happen that way, it m- maybe we'd be talking about like a totally different thing. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the perfect storm. I mean, I think everybody nowadays, like we do polls on our Instagram. I think recently we just did one that was, would you rather meet somebody organically or online? And it is overwhelmingly or organically, I think it was like 80 plus percent. But the reality is that mm, over 70% of couples now, I think, meet online. So it's a weird shift in in culture that is happening for everybody. But it's it's definitely interesting talking to somebody who's never had to experience it because oh the dating app thing yeah because it sucks yeah. it it fucking sucks <laughs> like it's not fun but <laughs> oh totally like the whole like swipe left swipe right culture I was like wow that looks like that looks like it's stressful why so, did we gamify dating like I literally right. I feel like I rant about this all the time to my friends because right I do digital experience design at a healthcare company. Everything is human-centered, user-focused. Like That is what I do every single day. And I look at these apps and I'm like, this is not that. Like This is not meant for the user. This is not meant for the person who's actually trying to find somebody. It's capitalistic. Like That's just what it is. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the way that we know we the way that we look at algorithms on social media platforms now. I get why... Um, why they gamified 
dating. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the ickiness or like the moral approach to that, I guess, is the secondary question. And I just I uh, fortunately, I've never had to think about it on that <laughs> level because I've I didn't engage in that. <laughs> so what what were you like pre engagement? What was like single rich to doing? Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, what was single rich to like? Well, I mean. It's not, not, not unlike my energy now, except single. <laughs> uh, I would say I was you know, oh, oh, definitely out and about. Had like my had my druthers. I would always be at the similar haunts, like similar spots, like doing like LES to the East Village to the West Village to whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I was. Oh, I don't even know how to, to answer that question. I had just imagined that I was probably a bit more high energy, probably stayed up like way later. <laughs> and also I, I was probably just like slightly more crass potentially <laughs> and uh, probably more um, more willing to, you know, take some mathematics home. <laughs> Were you did did you find yourself like meeting people out and about? Was that like primarily how you maybe met people pre getting engaged? I met people like at the gym mm -hmm. or met people at work because remember even not even social media like it's not like you could slide to someone's dms like that wasn't a thing either yeah so it wasn't like you could just like dm someone on instagram dm someone on twitter um it was i was still very much about meeting people irl um so yeah i i've i think <laughs> for a few years it was my it was like work circle and also gym circle were were werewolves, you know, finding potential life partners. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's, it's more appropriate for back then because you didn't have other channels to go through to be meeting people. Yeah, basically. But uh, like, that's all you had. Exactly. But at the same time, that's what people want right now. So it's like, how do you go about like meeting somebody at the gym, meeting somebody at work without it being super creepy? Oh yeah. Well, I remember my, <laughs> this girl they met at the gym and, you know, we, we had a thing for a while. She, and she was really cool. Like she worked at the desk at the gym. So we just met that way. And it was kind of one of those things where we just struck up a conversation and then we, we ended up like exchanging numbers and then just hanging out. It was always that. Mm -hmm. It was like exchanging numbers, talking, hanging out at a later date, hanging out at a later time mm -hmm. or like someone, um, you know, I, I remember meeting, um, a, a girl at one of my old old agencies like years and years ago and she was a receptionist and then you know but just by standing around hanging around talking we just we just struck chords with each other and then we'd end up just like hanging out it was always that i always was able to meet people through pure conversation yeah it's not, i mean you're a good talker so i guess it's like for the people i think you can even be the most extroverted person and still not know how to approach somebody in a way that's like respectful and nice. Um, but totally. that, <laughs> that's probably like definitely more of a now issue because people don't really do that much, do that that much pre COVID. Definitely in right. Miami, like this post COVID, like I'm doing for my listeners, I realize they can't see me. I'm like doing air quotes around it because right, <laughs> I can't say that it's like really post, but there is a definitely I think more people who are like willing to come up to you and willing to talk to you and strike up conversation because people are so deprived. <laughs> so in a way right. we're reverting back to what it's like to organically 
meet people because I think there's a craving for that. But for somebody who only knows that, like, do you have any tips for the guys or the girls or anyone on how to like Mm. just be like not creepy, suave, like how to be a good conversationalist? For sure. Okay. That's a really good question. I would say um, look at people in the eyes. (laughs) Real basic level human being shit. (laughs) Look at people in their eyes and also um, listen well. Uh, make space for another person to talk to you also, <laughs> right? I think that's a really big one, kind of an art of conversation. I'll say also let's, let's look at body cues. Listen, look at um, um, the way a, a person, like, you know, either perks up when you say something or, like, where, the way they change their, their body language in accordance with, like, the way that you change, like, your, your tone or something. Um, that, you know, those are always uh, little indicators of, like, whether – there's mutual interest there. Um, also, if you can make a person laugh, there's always a plus, right? Um, and then if um, if that person isn't uh, afraid to just kind of like stand close to you, you and you feel that they're not they're not creeped out by you, then you know that's also just a good sign. So I think those are all like solid indicators of of um, of the potential of taking a conversation to a next level um, and then also just like you know re- real simple stuff is um just be be a good person and <laughs> try to uh try to be generous and there are a lot of different ways to be generous you know don't generous being generous doesn't always involve money being generous can also just involve the way you conduct yourself and the way that like a person sees you conduct yourself with other people too it's like it's a whole vibes thing yeah and uh, i mean i think that's really good advice is to be generous in more than ways that's just obviously monetary wise, like being generous with your time, being generous with like your patience and your understanding with somebody, like all of these, like all really, really great tips. Because I feel like people have forgotten how to talk, (laughs) to talk to people. (laughs) But, and also like, this is great advice for anybody who's trying to build relationships beyond just romantic ones. Right. Like, no, that's true. Do you feel like these skills kind of like helped you in your career as well? Yes. Oh, 100%. You know, like just being able to hold a conversation and exchange information is so useful because information is power. And also the willingness of someone to to give you information and also their willingness to receive your information, that can change your um, you know, uh, your, your role at work that can change your, your, your value, your salary that can also change, um, like the responsibilities that people ask of you and give you that can change the way that people like, whether they want to work with you or not, all that stuff. So it, it absolutely relates. Like it's just general likability and general, um, you know, uh, no, uh, ability to just, uh, kind of be a good person. Yeah, Totally. Like base base advice for anyone, just be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Just, just don't be a piece of shit and then people will tend to like you. <laughs> and that that is really the basis of all of it. That is the secret to success. That's the special sauce. So <laughs> I know we're getting really close to time. And so I want to be mindful of your time. Oh, we, uh, we end every podcast with a section called Shots. And I'm going to ask you rapid fire this or that questions. And you just gotta get you just gotta give me an answer. <laughs> Go for it. Let's okay, it. let's do it. Uh, I'm gonna close my eyes so that I'm more zo- uh, zoned in. Awesome. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? 
Early bird. Work hard or play hard? Play hard. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Dine out or delivery? Dine out. Laundry or dishes? Laundry. <laughs> TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. Money or fame? Money. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Spicy or mild? Spicy. I don't like spicy food, but I'll say spicy. <laughs> What's your favorite season? Fall. Coffee date or drinks date? Drinks date. Drinks first. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate yourself out of 10? Oh, 10. <laughs> <laughs> what is your drink of choice? Uh, Maker's Rocks. What's your favorite song at the moment? Mm. Um, I always default to maybe I'm, I'm amazed by Paul McCartney and Wings. And if you had a boat, what would you name it? Admin. That's the word I'm seeing right in front of me. I'll just name my boat Admin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Rich, thank you so much for doing this. It was really fun talking to you. Likewise. Man, I wish I had a better answer for that last one. I was like, I have to say something really quick. I literally had nothing. Is either admin? I was like looking at my <laughs> at a post in front of me. But whatever. That's I'm gonna lock it in. You're gonna lock, lock it, it in, in and then when you have your boat and it's called admin, I'm expecting an invite on it. Exactly. I'll call it Queen Admin. Queen Admin. So it sounds like it's a real boat. It's a little more of a boat. <laughs> yeah, or USS Admin. You you <laughs> So Rich, where can people find you? Uh, sure. Uh, your listeners can find me at uh, on social media platforms at uh, rich underscore tu on Instagram and Twitter. Don't tweet that much, but I try to. On Clubhouse, you can find me at rich2, one word. And also you can find, uh, if you want to see some of my work, you can go to rich dot com And also my podcast, First Generation Burden. It's available on all major podcast platforms. Just go to firstgenburden.com. It's essentially just links on my website, but you can find it anywhere. I'm currently out of season, but I will start recording episodes again later this year. Last year I did 30 episodes. It was like, holy total, shit. It was, a, it was exhausting. And I was like, why did I do that? So this year I'm going to stick to my regular, like tight 12 episodes. Yep. <laughs> And then uh, start recording probably in the summer. So look out for that. Ariana, thank you so much. It's been dope. Thank you for coming on.